You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. You're listening to the Pull Box Podcast. The International Graphic Novel Book Club. Here are your hosts, Curtis Finley and Michael Cohen. Welcome back to another episode of the Pullbox Podcast. I'm your host, uh, Curtis Finley, and this is my other host, Jamie Fong. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, thank you for being on the show again, Jamie. Oh yeah, thank you. We had a good conversation last time about this one summer, um, so you should check that out if you've heard of that book or read it. Um, and in the next episode, we'll talk about Hellcat. But in this episode, what are we doing, Jamie? We are talking about a book called *The Private Eye* by Brian K. Vaughan and Marcos Martin, is the artist. Um, and *The Private Eye* is set. Uh, I don't know, sometime in the future, maybe 100 years in the future, and um, everyone's wearing masks and when they're out in public, masks and costumes um, to hide their identities. Um, at some point um, in, in, in their history, the, the Internet, the, the cloud burst is what, how they say it, and everyone's secrets were all out in the open. Um, and so now society, this is kind of the fallout from that, is that everyone, uh, to protect their uh protect their privacy uh, when they're out in the public. They all wear costumes and masks. Um, so it's, um, And then um, it kind of starts off, it, it's a detective story, so it starts off with a murder and um, the main character is named uh, P.I. Uh, or Pi. He's a pri- uh, private investigator and, or actually he's not a private investigator, he's a, a paparazzi. <laughs> That's what they call. It. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a the the world building in this is really incredible because they yeah. they peel away at little bits of the world bit by bit, and um, yeah. So he's the the police are actually reporters. Yeah. Because um, I guess the yeah. the press they don't actually have police in this one. It's just the biggest threat to you is if you get caught by reporters, they're going to put your secrets on the news. Yeah. And then so he calls and they call the private eyes the paparazzi because they're the ones who are sneaking around trying to. Yeah. Unlicensed reporters, basically. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, And so he, uh, like any kind of old noir story, uh, a woman comes into his office and uh, recruits him for a case. Um, And um, I I don't know, the next day or very soon, she's she's murdered. And then he gets caught up trying to investigate her murder and the kind of bigger implications or why she was murdered. Yeah, it, that's that's basically where it starts, and then it goes kind of all over the place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think an important thing to know is that um, the Internet doesn't exist in this world because once the cloud burst yeah. and everybody's secrets were out, they realized that the Internet was the main reason for that because mm-hmm. it, you can't control privacy with something as big as the internet. Um, so it's gone and people have to communicate the old fashioned way, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And PI as a character, he, he very much tries to be old fashioned, like to read lots of books and, 
doesn't use uh, or doesn't know how to use much of the technology because there is advanced technology. There's this kind of uh, everyone's watching uh, these uh, TV um, shows. It's kind of there's kind of a Big Brother thing going on. Yeah, <laughs> with the uh, the screens everywhere, and there there are flying cars in this future. Um, yeah, some technology has continued to grow, like yeah. automobile technology. Um, and then other technology has been stunted, be, uh, which is really interesting. So it's, it's again, it's a, I like how you put it, that it has this noir feel. And the reason why it has a noir feel is because a lot of it is old-fashioned. Right. Um, but it's still science fiction because it, there's still all of this advanced technology in the future. So, yeah, <laughs> it's a very interesting mix. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess one of the, uh, yeah, part of the um, his, uh, the PI, his c- character's costume, that his outfit that he wears all the time is this thing called a dream coat. Oh, yeah. Which is um, kind of like a camouflage coat. I don't know if you ever saw these videos where they had, because it's kind of based on a real technology that kind of exists. Oh, yeah. Where I, I've seen some videos of where it's like, basically it's like, the camera on your chest or something and it projected on your onto your own back uh and it kind of does this kind of weird warped um kind of shimmering you're not invisible but uh you kind of blend in with your surroundings a bit um it just absorbs the it reflects the colors of the the things that are around you in theory it's the the uh technology behind that bond invisible car oh okay (laughs) but less uh doesn't work as well as that. Yeah, I uh, I thought of um, Frodo and his cloak of oh, invisibility, yeah, yeah. but it's not quite that extreme. Like he's yeah. not completely invisible; you can still see his face. Yeah, um, because it's not covered by the the hoodie. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a it's an interesting piece of technology too, because it seems like it's sought after by a lot of people, mm, and there, yeah. there's not very many dream coats out there, I guess. Yeah, and in this also in the world because. All, there's kind of different layers or levels of costumes where you might just have a rubber mask on, uh, but more people who can afford uh, there's some like hologram right. masks and things that yeah. In fact, do. the woman who comes to PI in the first place has a hologram. It projects a, a tiger head over her head, so right. it looks like she is a, a tiger that walks around. Yeah. Yeah, that's a uh, and they'll disguise cool voices and things too. So, like when people are out in public, it's like you don't even know uh, gender or anything as well. Yeah, you're completely anonymous. In it's theory. so strange. Yeah, and they <laughs> they play up that too because a lot of people recognize others based on their costumes or their masks. Right. Um, but then it ends up being you know not really that person that's under that mask is someone pretending to be that right. person. So it's like it's uh yeah privacy worked against them in that sense. And the other thing that um, they kind of talk about is that, because this is like, um, like there's, there's kind of laws where like children under 18 can't get masks. Right. They have, it sounds like they wear some sort of bracelet that where it kind of identifies them as the underage. And then once they reach uh, age of uh, majority, then they can, that's when they're allowed to get their own new identity or new face or whatever right. they want. Right, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. he does have a, a kind of like a, a sidekick sort of uh, driver, this um, this teen, who 
yeah, it's kind of like it's the detective's assistant sort of thing. It reminds me of the spirit, Will Eisner's spirit, right? Because um, Will Eisner's character has a sidekick who drives a taxi cab. Okay. And he's yeah. pretty much a kid. Right. And so this is a similar setup in that sense. In fact, I don't, it, it may be an actual homage to the spirit because it has a similar <laughs> kind of kind of feeling with the noir and the private eye. And that yeah. Kind of thing. I wonder if that's kind of, I haven't read a ton of noir, but if uh, if that's like a trope, because I, I, I was thinking of, uh, have you, you read Black Thad before? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And Black Thad also uh, a uh, noir sh- detective story, and he has that kind of like reporter weasel side. Right. Guy. Not a kid, but a, sm- yeah. a small <laughs> character. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, I wonder if that is. Yeah, I don't know. Um, there, you were telling me that this comic was originally online. Yeah. Um, so it started almost as kind of a publishing experiment uh, with Brian K. Vaughan and Marcos Martin, where they were um, they had, were releasing them not on, I don't think it was on like a monthly schedule, but it was um, basically whenever the new issue was out, it, it was as a pay, pay what you want, um, digital uh, DRM free comic. Um, I think when they had kind of discussed their idea and because they had so much talk about privacy and the internet, they're like, this would be brilliant if we released it on the internet <laughs> yeah. um, uh, and pay as you want to, but they're also kind of, if, cause they're at the back of the book, there's kind of a behind the scenes and you see some of their emails back and forth. Um, and even though Brian K. Vaughan is obviously a, b- a big name in comics and has a following, um, there was still some nervousness about, trying to bypass the regular uh, system of publishing comics and doing it themselves, like uh, where um, they're kind of almost like doing it on spec um, and not sure what the financial, (laughs) how this would all work out. Yeah, like anybody who puts comics up online, that's just, you never know. (laughs) It's not (laughs) profitable. (laughs) But uh, this one has the name recognition of Brian K. Vaughn behind it. So people are already on board just because he's the writer. So there's uh, it's less risky in that sense. Um, And I know that when Radiohead released their In Rainbows album, they did a pay what you want. Mm -hmm. They released it online and you could pay whatever you want. And that was one of the, I think they were one of the first people to do that as well for music. Yeah, and uh, I think for certain artists that's completely fine because they have the financial means to to do that. Yeah, <laughs> because like seriously, who's going to pay full price for for that if you give them the option not to? Right. Um, I don't know. Uh, can I ask how much you paid? I was paying a dollar a volume. Okay. Um, until I got to um, kind of nine ten, and I realized like. I, ha- I actually only read the first volume, and this was released back in, like, 2013. Okay. And I found that I have a hard time reading, um, like, individual comics where, I, like, I almost need to read it all in one big chunk. Oh, yeah. Um, so I found, like, I was buying them, paying them every month or every other month that they were being released, except I wasn't actually reading them. I was just kind of saving them up. Okay. Um, so I actually never read it uh completely digitally um until until now getting ready for the podcast i actually didn't read it until it was released at the bound volume <laughs> you got the, the <laughs> physical copy yeah <laughs> oh yeah um so yeah it's worth noting of course that um image um 
picked it up and has printed the actual physical printed yeah. volume of it, of the collected. How many chapters was it? It was 10. 10, ten chapters, okay. yeah. Yeah. Um, Over the course of, like, two years, I think. Okay. Yeah, that's so, so if funny. you wanted to read it all, in what, like it was, it's hard for like a serial. Like, I don't like constant like waiting two months between cliffhangers. That is a thing. long time to wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, over two years. Yeah, that's that's quite the gap in the middle. Um, I'd never even heard of it until it was actually published. Right. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, how did you hear about it? Um, Online, I mean. How did you? That's hear a about good question. I feel like I. It must have been through some sort of comics news site or okay. something. Um, yeah, I don't actually remember the origin of reading it uh, or uh, hearing about it. Let's talk a little bit about um, kind of the, the characters here. Okay. Um, we can talk about P.I. and then eventually he meets up with um, Ravina, who is the older sister of the girl who's killed. Right. And um, together they... Uh, they team up in order to solve the mystery of the murder. Mm-hmm. So he's not doing it by himself, although he would uh, he would probably prefer to do it by himself because yeah. he's a private guy. And he was also reluctant to even... He's like, oh, it's not my business. Uh, once you, he's like, I'm not getting involved in the murder. Mm-hmm. But then he just gets dragged into it. Yeah. And through the course of the story, he opens up. Yeah. Um, so we find out, of course, because we have to find out more about the main character. Otherwise we <laughs> wouldn't, there'd be no story there, I guess. Um, but yeah, he opens up and becomes less private. Yeah. And Ravina starts, I feel like she starts becoming more private through the course of the, oh. through the course of the book. Um, because she starts being more about masks and stuff like that toward the end. Oh, I never noticed that, but, um, yeah, maybe I, it's uh, maybe it's just more subtle or something. But it's uh, yeah, the um, she becomes more like an actual superhero toward the end of the book. Oh, okay, yeah, because she starts being more active in fighting and um, her confidence and um, um, determination ramps up, especially toward mm-hmm. the end there when they're getting really close. And she so she starts taking risks and doing stupid, dangerous things and stuff like that. So, um, whereas she was more of a, more of a, um, scared's not the right word, but more, um, just cautious person at the beginning of the book. Um, so I guess we could talk about the end because that's, um, that it's an interesting story as well because they decide that they, uh, they find out eventually. Yeah. Kind of the big, uh, the big plot um, for uh, the, um, or the reason for the murder w- was kind of a it was it was a cover up to um, because the, yeah, the main bad guy is this guy named Daguerre who is also this uh, big I guess CEO of a big media company or something yeah, like that. He, I get the feeling like he controls TV. Right. Yeah. I like. T e v t e e v e e. Yeah, they the call it the company, or and he it's basically a monopoly. It's one guy that determines what people watch. Yeah, and he sells all of the TV sets. Yeah, um, and then the but these TV sets, which in theory um, only go w- one way, um, have been. They, it's revealed that they have the capability of recording as well. Yeah, and they have little cameras. Little in cameras them, yeah. in them. Yeah, uh, and one scientist 
finds that out. Like he's looking at the specs and like, I think someone's tampering with the TVs. <laughs> and then that guy dies because he found something he shouldn't, shouldn't <laughs> yeah. have found. And that's kind of where the the sister is at as well. She found something that she wasn't supposed to. Yeah, and the Daguerre, he, he, he wants to try to... He's looking to resurrect the internet through some satellites or something. Right. Um, to connect all the TVs. Uh, and I think... I got the sense towards the end that th- there might have been some government involvement <laughs> that they like th- they um that they might have been endorsing this somehow or behind the scenes um but um that was just something one of the the reporter guys said at the end that kind of made me think of that right and I could see that because if you can view if you can keep tabs of people yeah then your job is is a lot easier keeping track of criminals or finding out information about like cuz that's the thing there's there's all of these conspiracy theories right now about how much the FBI is watching us yeah, and all that kind of yeah. stuff right and how much they're listening in and um how much they actually know about us or our finances and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff but in this future they don't know any of that stuff because the internet doesn't exist. They don't have those lines of communication. Right. So yeah, it would actually make sense if the government is involved in this because that would be to their benefit. Yeah. What's really interesting reading it now is, or when I went back and was reading individual volumes and yeah. it had the letters page pages, um, I, I don't know if it was after issue one or two, it was like, oh, so like, what about... What about those Edward Snowden leaks or whatever? Yeah. It, but it was like the the comic was started before uh, all that um, was revealed, and it it actually works its way into the comic, I think, and um, kind of colors some of the the later stuff as well. Um, them dealing with yeah, this kind of the all, but yeah, the like the fact that the government is is watching and recording and yeah. blah, blah blah everything. Yeah, and I. Um, so they find out that he's going to build that Daguerre is going to his is building this humongous satellite yeah. in an abandoned warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, going to um, launch it from a rocket. And um that's where this story ramps up to be from a small time kind of murder mystery to this huge global thing. Yeah, a big conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, his his plan is to launch the satellite and uh, create a network in order to reinstate the the internet or whatever. Yeah. So some sort of technical mumbo-jumbo, which I don't <laughs> know if it's accurate or not. But um, And they uh, they are successful in stopping him, but they, uh, they're not successful in stopping the, the satellite or the rocket from launching the satellite into space. And in fact, they just, uh, they, they are able to stop the, I guess, the little... Um, trolley or whatever it's on <laughs> right. from from fully fully raising it yeah. up to uh, to pointing straight up, so it's actually pointing at an angle, and it crashes into this dam that is preventing yeah. water from flooding the whole <laughs> that, city. That, that's also <laughs> revealed in the latter half of the book is that um, because of the rising oceans, uh, a giant wall because this takes place in L.A. Yep, um, a giant w- wall called the Wonder Wall was constructed to basically hold the ocean at bay and it's a huge giant yeah. wall and nobody's <laughs> seen over it nobody because it's been there for so long that people have just grown up with this wall there and they don't know what's on the and other side and everyone moved inland a little more so like uh, Santa Monica this abandoned 
city area and the airport uh, yeah. like LAX is also kind of abandoned. Um, and so it's interesting when they they go into these areas and they're kind of like these rundown industrial abandoned areas and um, that's where yeah they're building the rocket and some kind of low life live as well. <laughs> it's uh, yeah interesting. I I have to say that I think one of the best parts about this is this world that he's created because mm-hmm. it's just it's very well thought out. I found it incredibly interesting and just uh it's it's so similar to how we live already but just just different enough that I'm intrigued and wondering if we actually will get there in the future <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like uh yeah, you mentioned before like the way it kind of maps or re um tell like the the, the press or the police. Yeah. Um, but then also uh, later in the book, it's like, oh, the feds are involved. But the feds is not like the FBI. The feds is, is CNN, <laughs> 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 yep. which was great. And it was interesting because it, uh, it says CNN uh, was like Citizens News Network or something. Right. And I had to look that up because I was like, I don't actually really know what CNN or I didn't remember what CNN stands for. Is that uh, what it stands No, it for? stands for Cable News Network. Oh, okay. Uh, but that is the equivalent of the, the FBI coming yeah. in and it's like taking over the case. It's so funny. <laughs> Leave this to the major networks. <laughs> <laughs> and they swoop in with their, their cameras, and, they're, and they're, they're all wearing kind of like police uniforms, but they yeah. say press. Um, yeah, yeah, and a lot of them even have the uh, the typical old-style kind of derby hats with uh, press <laughs> written on them in yeah. a piece of paper and tucked in, um, and they have old-fashioned cameras. And so you get that old noir senses at, yeah. through that stuff as well. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, what did you think about the artwork? Oh, I, I loved it. It's it's also not, um, like, it's very unique to, like, uh, I, I haven't seen too many, uh, like, uh, it wasn't like a cookie cutter sort of uh, like a uh, style, style yeah. that I'd seen before. Um, very clean and uh, interesting. Uh, like very detailed um, mm-hmm. and uh, like again <clears throat> with like a very kind of rich lived in world like there's lots of scenes where they're um, like in a park or like somewhere and you see like all the background characters uh, all have their detailed math or they they go to all these kind of interesting locations and um, and everything's kind of like neon like very colorful the color that amazing in the, throughout the book yeah the color palette i thought was actually quite unusual um <laughs> because it's um it's filled with a bunch of like garish colors that we are definitely not used to seeing in this type of in this type of story yeah um now i'm reminded of um the old dick tracy movie okay, with yeah, warren yeah. Beatty, yeah. where they um they it's that's sort of a noir style story, but yeah. then they light it with all of these neon colors. So the whole world, and they were trying to create this comic book feel by doing that. Yeah. And I feel like this is kind of doing that same thing. We get that same sort of color palette. Um, and it's just, uh, yeah, it's kind of a neat flip cause, because like it is quote unquote noir, but like, yeah, very, very bold, uh, rainbow colors. Yeah. Lots uh, of magenta. I find that magenta is used quite a bit yeah. throughout throughout the book. <laughs> um, just in background colors. And like the sky is always magenta or when it's daytime, it seems. Right. Um, Did you get, um, throughout the book, I kind of had this, like I was reminded of Watchmen. Did you kind of get any 
Watchmen vibe from it. Um, <laughs> like, I would think like the kind of uh, like murder at the beginning and then kind of the big conspiracy with kind of like uh, the Daguerre kind of reminded me of. Uh, I don't. Even, I haven't read Watchmen so long. Uh, Ozymandias. Yeah, Ozymandias. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, Watchmen didn't come to my mind thinking when I was reading this, and I'm trying to think of what did because something did. It does feel familiar. And I can't place my finger on it, but, you know, I can see where you're coming from because that also has sort of like a little bit of a futuristic past kind of feel because that story, I think, takes – doesn't it take place in the 40s or something like that? Yeah. And but it, it has advanced technology at the same time. And I feel like the, the like, kind of bad guy, like, their big ultimate plot had this kind of, like – it was a temp. It was like, oh, it's for everyone else. It's for their own good, sort of. Yeah. Feel to the, the, their plans that uh, they they don't they don't think they're evil. It's like it, they're like the end justify the mean sort of right. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was an interesting part because the bad guy didn't think he was a bad guy. Yeah. Um, he thought he was saving. <laughs> saving. And the there world. were like because he he straight up like personally murdered a few people along the way and <laughs> yeah. and, and there's uh, allusions to one that he did as well because he's like there's this part where he killed someone in his office and then he kind of calls his kind of goon yeah yeah and he's like uh <laughs> i need another mini fridge installed because that seems like the way that they cart bodies out of his office <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but he's to him it seems like oh they're all just collateral, collateral damage mm-hmm. they're just uh, he's not that evil <laughs> um the scope of this book um, like the physical uh, dimensions of this book is really, it's like a, it's, it's almost like a 11 by 14 yeah, paper. Yeah, it's kind of like, like widescreen wide format. It's very widescreen. <laughs> it's an incredibly wide book. Um, and I just wonder, uh, reading it, it is okay, but how is it on a computer screen? Oh, it looked great because uh, most of our computers are kind of this shape. So okay. you can do full screen and it would be like the full same page you would see, you'd just see blown up in full okay. screen. And it's like high res, colorful, right. okay. very... So as long as you have one of those types of uh, <laughs> computer monitors, you're fine. Yeah, look, I don't... Because um, then also I was kind of like catching up reading on my my phone. <laughs> that would be more difficult. <laughs> that was more difficult. Lots of zooming in and out and... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's... Um, I think it lends itself this format to to be a lot more cinematic like because mm-hmm. you, you most of the panels are wide um so you get that kind of uh film framing right there are a lot of wide shots in this book yeah and they kind of, of have them. a bunch of these kind of like one panel splash pages yeah um, to begin off each chapter but also so i think in some kind of cliffhanger scenes yeah every chapter kind of ends on a cliffhanger and i think that kind of points to its origins as the uh, episodic uh, serial online serial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it does it does play it, it does all work as one big volume which I It curious. does. Yeah, yeah, it does. It really works. And um I uh I read it thinking, wow, um this is maybe the first full-length graphic novel that Brian Vaughn has done. But then it turns out it's not because he serialized it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you mean in terms of not like a like this ongoing series? Yeah, because thing. you know he's done like Why the Last Man and yeah. um, Ex Machina and all Sega these uh, ongoing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All of um, I guess maybe 
maybe Pride of Baghdad would be the closest to hmm. like to a, a one-off f- solo standalone. Sort yeah, of thing. but that one was serialized also. Oh, was so <laughs> I didn't know. That. Um, yeah, it was like a I think a four-issue mini or something hmm. like that. But um, but and so this feels like it could have been um, a full like fully realized graphic novel. But no, it's. Uh, Serialized. Once you get in and realize you know, all the cliffhangers and stuff is totally the way he <laughs> writes. I guess this was this was a good read. I'd totally recommend. Um, there's some very mature com- content in here in terms of just uh, visuals and language, so it's not an all ages book, but right. um, definitely worth checking out. Um, get your library to request it or <laughs> yeah <laughs> well or you can still go online and you can still buy yeah, and pay whatever right. you want for the digital version of it i think the website is uh www.panelsyndicate.com that's the name right. of their collective and i think they i don't know they might even be working on another one in that same vein or work with other artists in the same model of yeah. the pay well i know they published want. a walking dead story oh yeah that's right um it was just a one off issue um that i think didn't follow the regular continuity or right. something like that so you didn't have to read it but yeah you can get there they do have some other things going on huh yeah i hope to uh i hope to see more and especially from marcos martin the, mm, the illustrator because yeah. um, i wasn't familiar with him before this me neither and he's good he's really good he's got a great style so yeah i hope to see him do some more work um that wraps up our discussion on this one um, you can tune in next time to uh, to hear us talk about Hellcat, Patsy Walker. Uh, we'll probably talk a little bit about Jessica Jones as well, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah. um, and then if you didn't catch us already, uh, go back and listen to um, Jamie and myself talk about this one summer. And then uh, next month, I'll just quickly give you the polls for next month. Um, Mike will be back with us, and he picked a book called Kaiju Max by Xander Cannon. Uh, which I don't know anything about. So I'll be uh, looking that one up soon. And then I'm choosing Demon by Jason Chiga, which I think he started that book online, and I don't know if it's still online, but you right. might be able to read that one for free online. Um, and then the reader poll is Tetris by Box Brown, history of uh, that classic video game. <laughs> so, yeah, pay attention to uh, to those books. Give them a read. Send us an email if you uh, have some comments about them. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you in the next episode. Keep reading comments. For more Pullbox Podcast episodes, you can check out pullboxpodcast.com to submit a reader poll. Uh, you can email thepullboxpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us at Twitter and on Instagram at pullboxpodcast. And you can follow me, Curtis, on Instagram at Curtis Bidley. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ArkWolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F. You can can also find all of our other great podcasts over at Thunderquack.com. And uh, uh, that's the home of the Thunderquack Podcast Network, of which we are proudly a part. And uh, and if you want to help support all of our podcasts at Thunderquack, you can do that by heading to Patreon.com slash Thunderquack. And, uh, and, and you, can, you can pledge your support over there. Every dollar helps. But uh, if you're a Pullbox fan and supporter, then you'd definitely be interested in the $20 level, which allows you to get all three episodes of the Pullbox podcast, all three of our books, as one long, super long episode. 
uh, right at the beginning of the month as opposed to having to wait for the individual episodes to be released. So you can find all that at patreon.com slash thunderquack and all of our other podcasts at thunderquack.com.